can get a glimpse into maybe what the heart, what the Lord has been doing in my own heart and my own life, um, and I can just share that with you this morning. Um, I want to talk about cultivating hunger for God. Cultivating hunger for God. If you want to go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter 5 is going to be our main text. This is going to be a familiar passage of Scripture for most of us. Sure, hunger, you've heard this message preached before, and hopefully it'll just be some review for us. But, you know, what really birthed this message in my heart, something that's really been stirring on me for a while, but really last Sunday here at service, um, after Jeremiah's message, and people began to just respond to the altar. Even during the preaching, you could just really sense and hear uh, the sound of hunger. You could really hear hunger in people's heart here in this community. I believe that's a culture here that we have at Heart of the Father. is one that is hunger for the Lord, that we keep Him first in our life. And I, um, But I really feel like last week that Jeremiah, as he began to preach and he began to give that altar call, that there was maybe a refocusing on what the Lord is wanting to really do in our lives here. You know, I'm really getting excited about what God is going to do and is doing here at the heart of the Father. You know, He has called Heart of the Father to become a city set upon a hill. He's called Heart of the Father to make a difference in this community, to really begin to be someone for Him, to be a place, a, a conduit for His glory. And I'm telling you, it's hunger in your life that, as Barry would say, is a lightning rod for the presence of God for the glory of God to come. It's hunger in our hearts that, that allows God to come and strike us with His power and His glory so that we can be and make a difference in our community. But Matthew chapter 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount here. We have Jesus that uh, is getting ready to teach His disciples. And in this particular text um, on the Sermon on the Mount, this is kind of like Jesus' manifesto. This is the lifestyle of the kingdom. Jesus, what he's about to teach us is not just a one-time teaching, but this is a lifestyle. This is a way of life that Jesus is wanting to impart into his disciples. This is kingdom way of living that Jesus is about to teach us. And, and I think that in here we're going to find, and something that I want to point out to us today, that you know, hunger isn't something you can achieve on your own. Hunger's not something that you can do. It comes from the Lord. He gives us hunger. Hunger is a gift that He imparts on the inside of us. We cultivate it. We steward it, but it's the Lord that gives it to us. So wherever you're at today in your walk with the Lord, whether you feel like you're burning for Him or you don't feel that at all and you're just crying out saying, I have no gauge for this, well, that's exactly where we need to be at in our heart when we say, Lord, I just, I can't do it on my own. I can't seem to pray. I can't seem to read the Word. I can't seem to get hungry. And as we really begin to cry out to Him, we're going to see here that that's the door into the Lord coming and really blessing us with hunger. See, the Father's not looking, guys, just for a one-time encounter with us. He uses those encounters to be a, a catalyst, a, a way to push us into His presence, but He's not looking for just a one-time encounter where we experience Him just one time, but He wants us to have a lifestyle where we are continually encountering Him, where His presence is continually being manifested in our life, where we are continually hungry, and then we're famished, and then we're hungry, and then we're famished, and then we're hungry. He wants to create this as a lifestyle where we're never satisfied, but then when He does satisfy us, we're not really satisfied, and that's what he's created us to be, that we're always longing and pursuing him. Hunger is, the Lord uses hungry people to impact culture. He uses hungry people that are so in love with him that can be, again, a conduit that his glory can flow through. You know, you get around somebody that's hungry, you can always tell when someone's hungry, right? And, they, and, and even if you're not hungry and you get around somebody that's hungry, all of a sudden you become hungry. You know, when somebody might be hungry for, I know one thing, I like cake. I love to eat dessert. I love to eat cake. And I don't even have to be hungry for cake. And all of a sudden, if somebody gets around and offers cake, all of a sudden I'm hungry for it. 
You know, that's a lot like with our walk here with the Lord, not cake. But as we walk with the Lord and we pursue Him and He does something in our hearts and we are hungry, hunger is contagious. As you begin to burn for the Lord and you get around the right people that are hungry. So what am I trying to say? Listen, the Lord wants to use this community. He wants to baptize us all in this room to where we are hungry. So that wherever we go out in our sphere of influence, the glory of God can be manifested through our lives. And people can see that Jesus is alive on the inside of us so we can really begin to impact culture. And that's what the Lord is wanting to do here. That's what we're getting ready to do even with this school of ministry and what God is wanting to do here at Heart of the Father as we are expanding, as God is calling us to begin to raise up disciples who carry the personality and the person of Jesus in their life that have been baptized in brokenness and say, all I want is the Lord and His life to be glorified. God is wanting to send hungry ones from all over the earth to come here. And I'm telling you, it's us right here in this community that if we will begin to burn, we can be a lightning rod for that so when they come they can watch somebody burn they can get an example before them and I feel so encouraged because last week I just I just heard the, the sound of hunger in here I just heard people responding to the altar and beginning to cry and it's not about the altar but there was a cry in people there is a cry in people in this community I'm hearing it in hearts that are saying I want God I'm desperate for him the status quo won't do for me I've got to have him and all of him and and yes I'm weak and yes I'm broken but thankfully that he's attracted to that See, Jesus wants to be seen. He wants to be known on the earth. He wants to be lifted up. He wants to be magnified. He wants to be glorified. And He does it through the lives of broken people that are just simply hungry for Him. So we see in, in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 6 is going to be our main text tonight, today, where it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's where we're going to end up. But before we get to verse 6, I want to read verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here again, Jesus is giving this way of life. This is a lifestyle as a believer, as you are following Christ, as you're living for Christ. This is a way of life of living here. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Or how blessed are those that are spiritually bankrupt? How blessed are those that, that understand that they can do nothing in and of themselves? And being poor in spirit, being spiritually bankrupt, knowing and depending completely upon Him is the door into hunger. It is the door into the life of the kingdom. Jesus takes broken people and does amazing things through them. See, He's attracted to brokenness. He's, a, he's attracted to weakness. The Holy Spirit is attracted to our weakness when we're willing to admit that I can't do this by myself. Father, I can't create hunger in myself. By myself, I have no desire to fellowship with you. By myself, I have no desire to live righteous and a holy life. In and of myself, I can't do it. And it's in that admitting that, it's in that crying out to that, in that poor, poor in spirit mentality that I'm bankrupt without you, that Jesus is actually attracted to that. Actually, when you break down the word poor in spirit here in the Greek, it means to be a beggar, one who begs. So it's having the mentality of being poor in spirit, being broken, and you begin to beg the Lord. You begin to cry out to Him, Lord, I want you. I need you. I don't have enough of you. I'm dry. I'm broken without you. And it's in that cry of our heart God begins to respond. It's, it's like a beggar. It's someone who is begging for the Lord, crying out for Him. That's what lo the Lord is translating here. That's what that poor in spirit is saying here. It's like one who is, who is begging for something. It's being emptied of self-reliance. Poor in spirit is being empty of self-reliance. It's when we are emptied of our own self. Nothing we can do on our own accord. There's no self-reliance. There's nothing that I can do. I depend on completely upon Him. That's our heart's desire. That's where we find the sufficiency of Christ in that. Here's a quote right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus 
contradicted all human judgments and all nationalistic expectations of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is given to the poor, not the rich, the feeble, not the mighty, to little children humble enough to accept it, not to soldiers who boast that they can obtain it by their own prowess. See, Jesus is saying here, this is not a kingdom that comes by the mighty and the powerful. This is a way of life that comes through the broken. This is a way of life that comes through the needy. This is a way of life that those that understand that on their own accord and in their own way, they can do nothing. That all of my strength and everything that I do comes from the Lord and Him alone. See, we got to lean into His grace. The Lord wants to begin to reintroduce us to the power of His grace, to the power of His might, to the power of His strength. That, that, that even, if, even in this hour, if we're not, I know that we have moms and dads in here, and we have people that are, that, that are raising children, and it might seem difficult, and it might seem hard, and there's really no gauge for for, for even hunger, and maybe sometimes you come in here on a Sunday and things seem so disconnected and you don't, you're scrambling to even survive, to even get a breath in life. And you know, it's when we begin to cry out from that place and say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm, just, I just, I'm just not hungry without you. I just can't do this without you. I need you. That's where God responds to that. I want to encourage us today in this. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus is near to those that are broken. Jesus is near to those that are poor in spirit. And this is the door into spiritual hunger. It's the realization that Without Him, we can't really be hungry. Without Him, we really can't burn for Him. Without Him, we really have no gauge for that. We really have no desire for Him in and of ourselves. And it's coming to Him with this heart, with this desire, with this longing, with this understanding that it begins to open up the door for His presence. It begins to attract the power of the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, that we have a God that is attracted to the weakness in our life. See, poor in spirit is understanding we have no resources on our own. He supplies all the resources. He gives us the resources. The breath in our lungs comes from Him. Every step we take is from Him. One scripture says in Psalms that He widens the steps as we walk. That every step that we take that every breath in our body comes from our King, from our Lord. He provides it for us. It's living a life of brokenness before Him. It's living a life of crying out to Him that we desperately are in need of You, Lord. We desperately need You to come and crying out and keeping this heart posture is what Jesus is teaching us here. This is what He's trying to communicate to His disciples here is blessed are those. How, how, how blessed are those that are poor in spirit. How blessed are those that come to me knowing that they can do nothing in and of themselves, that they have no resources on their own, that everything that they get, that everything that they have comes from me. This is the doorway. This is the entrance into the kingdom of God. We see Jesus as an example here in Philippians 2. Paul tells us that we should have this attitude that was in Christ. Although he was God, he did not regard himself equal with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, becoming a bondservant. This is the attitude. This is what Jesus is portraying here in, in Matthew 5, the attitude of the kingdom, the Beatitudes, the lifestyle of the kingdom. And Paul is saying, you need to have this attitude that was attitude that, that, that Christ had, the attitude that Christ had, and it was this, that he did not uh, consider himself equal with God, a thing to be grasped but no he emptied himself becoming a bondservant Jesus is our greatest example when we look to him in the word he is our greatest example of one that was humble of one that carried in this humble poor in spirit mentality and Paul is saying in the same mind that Christ had you have that mind too it's not relying on ourselves it's putting our full trust in the father Jesus even said he said I can do nothing Apart from the Father, he knew, he, he, even though he was God, he didn't 
count himself to be equal with God, and he emptied himself. And if Jesus can do it, how much more do we need to live this life? This is my heart today. This is what I'm trying to persuade, to, to, to give you this morning. This is what I'm trying to teach you this morning from my own heart, that God has even been speaking to me in my own life, that nothing comes without brokenness, that nothing come pride will not do. God is looking for a broken people whose heart are desperate for him. This heart posture, it's a prerequisite It's a for humility, for, for the hunger of God. It attracts God's hunger when we become a people that are poor in spirit, that are broken before Him, that, are, that need Him desperately. It's not that we don't have our own responsibilities. It's not that we're not here. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's cultivating hunger with God. It's cultivating this lifestyle. It's not that we don't have a responsibility, but it's understanding that in and of ourselves, we cannot have this. In and of ourselves, we'll never truly be spiritually hunger, hungry. In and of ourselves, we'll never really desire to pursue Him. That He causes us to want to pursue Him because He first pursued us. It's looking to his life as the example. You know, we see in Zechariah 4 that Zechariah gives a prophecy to Zerubbabel. As Zerubbabel has, we know the building of the temple had been laid down for 20-something years. And Zechariah comes to encourage Zerubbabel. And he says to him in this word of the Lord, he says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not going to be on your own might. It's not going to be in your own power. You're not going to accomplish this on your own accord, but it's through my spirit that's going to do that. Uh, it, it's through the, it, we even find in Romans 12 where it talks about the fervency or the fire of the spirit. It's the spirit of God that stirs us in our inner man. It's the spirit of God that leads us. It's the spirit of God that convicts us. It's the spirit of God that makes us hungry and desperate for him. And he's telling Zerubbabel here, he said, you can't do this on your own accord, in your own might, in your own strength, but I'm going to introduce to you a new way of kingdom living, a new way of doing things, and it's going to be through my spirit, through my strength, through my might, through my power, through my grace, this will be achieved. God wants to strike our hearts with hunger that we would cultivate this lifestyle continually here at Heart of the Father in our own lives individually and corporately. That this would be an environment where Jesus pleases to dwell, where he can come and his presence can be. Where we can be a conduit for all of who he is to flow through us so that as, as the Bible says that we can be an aroma of who he is. We can be a fragrance of who he is, reminding the dead that they're dead and the living that they're alive. He wants to make us an aroma, a fragrance of who he is. He wants to come and flow through us so that as we go about in our everyday lives and in our sphere of influence, there's an aroma of his presence that follows us. There's an aroma of, our, of his presence that is with us where we encounter people. They know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Last week we heard Jeremiah was preaching about on earth as it is in heaven. On, on earth as it is in heaven when it's really prayed, it's prayed through the heart of someone that is broken. Poor in spirit saying, oh God, it's on earth. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let the full reality of heaven be available here on the earth and start with me. Come through me, Lord. I want all of you. I'm broken. I'm desperate, Lord. I can't do any of this in and of myself. But let me be a doorway for your presence and your glory to flow through. Gideon had this attitude when he told the Lord, he said, I'm the least in my father's house. Isaiah had this posture when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he declared, woe is me. John the Baptist, he had the same attitude when he told Jesus, I'm not even worthy to unlatch the sandals that you wear. I'm not even worthy to unlatch those. And it was in his understanding that he wasn't qualified that actually qualified him for that work. It was him understanding that I'm not really qualified to do this in and of myself that actually qualified him for that. John the Baptist had a poor in spirit mentality. Nehemiah had this as well 
We know that in Nehemiah 1, as he finds out the condition of his people, there's a great brokenness that fills his heart of repentance and brokenness for not just the people, but himself. And he falls to his knees and begins to cry out to God, asking for his help, asking for his resources. This is poor in spirit. Oh, that he would raise up the Nehemiahs in this hour that can see the condition of the nation, that can see the condition of our own hearts, and that we would begin to fall on our knees and cry out on behalf of our nation that God would come and move in power, that He would come and move in might, that He would come and He would take this nation back for His glory. Oh, but He wants to find Nehemiahs that are poor in spirit that will fall before Him and say, God, I can't do this in my own strength. Again, Jesus modeled this. He said, I can do... I can have my own self do nothing. I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus modeled this lifestyle of poor in spirit, of trusting the Father. He often withdrew to the Father to pray. Here we have Jesus, fully God and fully man. He often withdrew to pray, to commune with the Father. He knew that He drew His strength upon the Father, that He would often withdraw to Him and speak to Him and commune with Him. And that was what satisfied Him. That is what gave Him the ability to do what He was called to do. Apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 3. He declares, we are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is in God. We are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Here's the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Here's the Apostle Paul who died a a martyr's death. Here's the Apostle Paul who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. The the Apostle Paul who has been such a a voice for, for generations and generations, a father of the New Testament. He is saying here, I am not adequate in and of myself, that the only thing I have comes from Him. The only power, the only might, the only strength I have is nothing on my own accord. It only comes from Him. Our adequacy is from God and Him alone. It's pulling on that strength. In America, it's hard for us to have this posture of poor in spirit because we have so much that we really need. We have so many things that we really need. We have so much of abundance. We have so much overflow in our lives. We don't really need anything. We are really uh, so blessed to have as much as we have. But it, and, and how much more do we really need to cry out to the Holy Spirit for His help? That He would create in us this heart of being broken and poor in spirit before Him. Again, I'm talking about cultivating spiritual hunger. And this is the door into the. This is how we cultivate it. It's first coming to the Lord, saying, Lord, without you, I can't be hungry. That we know that hunger for you is a gift. We know that you impart it into us. You give it to us. Yes, I want to steward it, but it's you. Yes, I'll fan the flames, but it's you that puts the flame in my heart. We know that God is omnipresent. He's all around. But there are times when his presence comes. You know, like even in the Suzu revival, that his presence would come. It'd be almost like a thick cloud. The Azusa Street revival, and people would get healed, and many manifestations of his presence. And that's not necessarily what we're just after. But His presence would come in such power. And we know at times that His presence does come in this way where lives are changed. When His glory comes, when His presence comes, when the reality of who He is begins to fill the minds of those that are in any particular place. And the wonder and the majesty of who He is begins to fill minds. When the beauty of who He is begins to purge our minds and purge our hearts. And all of a sudden our eyes are opened up to the reality of who He is. It's in those times that our lives are changed, that lives are changed corporately and individually. And what attracts that, what attracts His presence, it's broken broken people on our knees saying, God, I desperately need you. God, I'm so broken without you, Father. I need you so desperately in my life. That's the cry of my heart in this hour, just being transparent. I so desperately need his help. I so desperately need him every day of my life. Without him, I am a complete train wreck. 
without his help. It's God reminding us that we desperately need his grace. Again, hunger is a, it's a gift from the Lord. The door into that is being poor in spirit. It's us putting our lives into the hands of God and trusting Him. Listen to what Eleanor Roosevelt said. Our Father who has set a restlessness in our hearts and made us all seekers after that which we can never fully obtain. Our Father who has set a restlessness in our hearts and has made us all seekers. I love that. Eleanor Roosevelt is saying, it is the restlessness that I have in my heart for him. The not being fully content, but wanting to continually pursue him. And the seeking that is inside of me all comes from him. He, the Father, has put that in my heart. It's us understanding that today. That hunger, if you don't have it, or if you have it on a small degree, or if you want it more, it all begins with the realization that in and of ourselves we'll never have it. And it's the cry to him. God, we want it, is where we get the response from heaven from him. It is really only the poor in spirit who can actually have anything. It's really only the poor in spirit that can really have anything. That we can really receive the gift from God because we realize we've never really had anything at all. It's the poor in spirit who actually have, can have anything because we are the ones who know how to receive gifts. For them, everything is a gift because we've never really had anything at all without him. It's okay to say, Lord, I need help. I can't pray. I can't seem to be hungry. I just can't. It's out of these moments his power comes and he begins to fill us. We see in Acts, the book of Acts, that the early church, one passage says, I think in Acts 3 or 4, that they were filled with great grace or mega grace. They had a great amount of grace upon their life. That means that oftentimes when we read the, the book of Acts and we, we think that it's this, uh, you know, robotic, powerful church that we could never obtain. Or, but it was everything that the Lord did through them was through them being poor in spirit and understanding that it was only God flowing through them. They were just a conduit for the power of God. They were, just, they were just the people that just said yes to Him. That after Jesus died and ascended to the right hand of the Father and He said, I'm promising you that something's coming that will endue you with power for you to preach my gospel and carry my message. And it was hunger stirred in them knowing that Without him, they could do nothing that he had called them to do. And they went and locked themselves in a room and began to pray and cry out until that power came. Until they were baptized in that. And it was that, the Holy Spirit, the grace of God alive on the inside of them that allowed them to do anything that the Lord had called them to do. We see in Joel 2 that people are weak. And they begin to cry out for the Lord. As there's great trials coming, they begin to gather together, they begin to weep, they begin to cry out to the Lord. They begin between porch and altar to intercede, to cry out. And we know that in Joel 2 we see that the Lord responds to that and there's a promise that he's going to come and fill them. It is in our weakness, it is in our brokenness, it is in our being spiritually bankrupt. That's the door in for God's hunger to begin to be baptized in us, for us to walk in that. And then we jump down to verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed. How blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Spiritual hunger is when our spirit recognizes and senses our need for God. 
It's us recognizing and sensing and realizing the need for God. It's, it's tasting and seeing that He is good. It's, 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 it's seeing Him high and lifted up, His beauty and His splendor. It's tasting of the reality of who He is, the goodness of who He is. And there's a deposit on the inside of us that we've got to have more. It's seeing that He is the great treasure in the field and we're willing to sell it all. We're willing to buy it all to sell it all so that we can obtain that treasure. That is hunger, seeing that He is the treasure of our life spiritual hunger it's a good thing for us it's different spiritual hunger is different than hunger naturally naturally the the less you go without food the more hungry you become spiritual hunger in the kingdom is the more you walk with him the more he releases who he is in our life, the more we understand him, the more he reveals himself to us, the more hungry we become, the more we trust him, the more desperate we understand that we need him. William Barclay on hunger says, so then the hunger which this beatitude describes, it's no gentle hunger which could be satisfied with a mid-morning snack. The thirst of which it speaks is no thirst which could be slacked with a cup of coffee or an iced drink. It is the hunger of the man who is starving for food and the thirst of the man who will die unless he drinks. Spiritual hunger is the starving for the Lord, knowing that I've got to have him, that he is the bread of life, he is the fountain of life, that he is living waters, that without him, that he's the very breath in my lungs, that he's the very heartbeat in my chest, that, that the very life that I live, that the promise of tomorrow, if it should come, only comes through him. And it's understanding that and it's starving for him. It's having an absolute hunger and starvation for him. That is godly spiritual hunger. That's what Jesus is talking about. How Blessed is that person who stays hungry for me, who is constantly starving for me, who is constantly desperate for me. How blessed is that person? That's the way of the kingdom. When you study the word hunger and thirst there, it's giving us this understanding of someone who is continually hungry and continually thirsty. And that not only are they continually hungering and continually thirsty, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just you're hungry and then you're never hungry again, or you're thirsty and then you're never thirsty again. That's the great paradox of, of the kingdom. But it's not that. It's that you're continually hungering. You're always thirsting for him. You're never fully satisfied. And it's also the desire that you want all of him that you want all of him, that you're not satisfied with just a portion or just a bit of him, but you want every bit, all that you can have of who he is in your life. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, blessed is that person that is just continually hungry for me. They're continually thirsty for me, and they don't want just a portion of me. They want all of me. The Christian life, the great paradox of it is that for us to be full of him, we're full of Him, yet we're always yearning for more. We're always hungering for more of Him. We see that in Psalm 63. Let's go to Psalm 63 real quick. Psalm 63, beginning in verse 1, it says, O God, Thou art my God, I shall seek You earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Here we have David saying, my soul thirsts for you, I'm hungry for you. Then he goes on in verse 2 and he says, I have beheld you in the sanctuary, I've seen your power and your glory. Verse 3, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Verse 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And then here's verse 5, my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. 
Verse 1, he is hungry and thirsting. Verse 5, his soul is satisfied. That's the great paradox of the Christian life. We're hungry, but yet we're thirsty. We taste of him. We see that he's good, but yet we yearn for more. We want more of him. we got to have more of him, and it's him that does that on the inside of us. He puts that on the inside of us, and we cultivate that through a lifestyle of pursuing him. begins with us first tasting and seeing that he is good it says taste and see that the lord is good it's the goodness of god that leads men to repentance it's seeing him high and lifted up and it's the woe is me as we see him high and lifted up it's the woe is me for i am unclean i am unpure i need you and it's allowing him to come and purge us and clean us but then it's also saying i've been undone by you here i am i will go as isaiah proclaimed He saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw him in his splendor and in his majesty. And when he did, his eyes were open to the reality of him being spiritually bankrupt. And then he began to cry out, woe is me. And then from that, the Lord came and purged him and cleaned him. And then he said, who will go? And Isaiah said, here, I'll go. I've been marked by you. I want to become a lightning rod for your presence. I want to be used by you because I've tasted of you. I've seen you in your sanctuary and how beautiful and majestic and powerful you are and nothing else will do so here I am I'll go we see Moses in Exodus 33 he says now show me your glory Here's Moses who, when God originally called him to go to be a deliverer, he said, I'm just a man that can stutter. I can't do anything. Lord, I can't go and do this. No, I'm the wrong person. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do it through you. Tell them I am that I am sent you. I'm sending you. I'm going to be with you. And Moses responded and was obedient. And he encountered the Lord in the form of that burning bush. And God did something and marked Moses' life where we see in, Acts, in Exodus chapter 33 that the cry of his heart is Lord I want to see your glory I've seen a part of you but I want all of your glory you I want all of your presence all of your glory father give me all of who you are in my life that was the cry of Moses's heart that was a man that was constantly hungry for the Lord God is raising up deliverers like Moses I'm telling you, he's going to raise up deliverers like Moses. He's going to send them with the word of the Lord in their heart. And it's going to be the hunger for his presence that's going to be the fuel that catapults you into the earth to be a voice for him. Moses said, who do I tell them that sent me? Jesus said, tell them I am sent you. I am the way, I am the hope, I am the deliverer, I'm the provider, I'm the resurrection, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water. Tell them that I am. Anytime when the Lord is telling you to do something and God is calling you to do something and in your brokenness, just tell them, just begin to sing out that He is the way, He is the power, He is the resurrection. It is I am that I am that is doing it in me. It is I am that I am that is making me hungry. It is I am that I am that is providing me with His power. See, in Philippians 3, it's a powerful scripture. One of my favorite is Philippians. Apostle Paul says, Oh, that I may know him. He said, Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And before that, we see that Paul talks about all, his, all of his accomplishments and all of his accolades and all that. All of that was dung in comparison to knowing Christ, in comparison to knowing him, to experiencing him, to having him in his life. All of that meant nothing. That was poor in spirit. And yet, after pursuing him, and yet after the Lord doing so much through him, and again, the Apostle Paul writing two-thirds of the New Testament, being used in the way that he's been used, experiencing the Lord, walking with the Lord, and the the way that he walked with the Lord, the cry of his heart was still, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Oh, that I may know him and I'm willing to go through trials and I'm willing to suffer and I'm willing to go through heartache and I'm willing, God, to even be put to the death, God, because you're worthy and I've tasted and seen that you're good and nothing else will do. That was the cry of the Apostle Paul. Hunger is a gift. It's a divine longing for him. It's the cry that David had in his heart. It's like a deer who pants for water. 
a deer that's panting for water after it's been pursuing and chasing and running, it all of a sudden gets thirsty and has to begin to drink of water and how refreshing that is oh, as, as we pursue him because he's put that pursuit in us. And as we run after him, it creates a thirst in us like a deer where we begin to drink and oh, how satisfying that is to our heart. And then back to Matthew 5, and I'll be finishing up. What is it that Jesus is asking us to hunger and thirst for? we would begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, this hunger that he's wanting to put on the inside of us, oftentimes it can be dulled by the things of this world. It can be, as Dave said when he opened up, he said that, that, that are there things in our life that could be causing us not to be hungry or dulling this, this, this ache that we once had. And so Jesus is saying you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to, I have put this in you as you've been reborn and become this new creation as you're walking in me. I've put this longing on the inside of you for a right standing with me, to please me, to, to be obedient to me. But it's as we begin, as John Piper said, to nibble at the table of the world that those senses of hunger and desperation begin to die down because of things in our life. Jesus is saying you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is a strong desire to want to please him. A strong desire to want to give him all the glory and honor. To do the will of God for your life day in and day out. What is righteousness? I believe part of it is Jesus goes on and he says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. In verse 7 it says, Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. This is part of living in righteousness. This is part of the righteousness of God. You're full of mercy. You have a pure heart. You're a peacemaker in your life. That's what Jesus is teaching. Blessed are those who have this type of heart, that are pure in heart, that are merciful, that are peacemakers. This is what pleases God. This is what brings joy to his heart. This is a life that the Lord is attracted to. Jesus is using a natural human desire when he was teaching his disciples just as you hunger for bread I want there to be inside of you I'm putting something inside of you the way of the kingdom life is a disciple that in the way you hunger for bread I want you to hunger and thirst to be like me to live a life like me and I'm the one that can do it in you I'm the one that can do it through you it's being poor in spirit and understanding that, but it's longing to want to be like me. We can't do this on our own. Again, we find in Romans 8, 26 through 37, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. See, righteousness, right living for God, right standing with the Lord, the desire to please the Lord in and of ourselves, again, cannot do it on our own. We've got to cry out to the Lord, and we've got to say, God, help me. Lord, whatever it is in my life, and we know that it is, we offer it up to you, Lord, as a sacrifice. God, we come to you in and of myself. I can't do this. I can't get rid of this. Crying out to him for his help. God, I need your mercy, Lord. I need your grace. Come and take this from me. It's understanding that the Holy Spirit is attracted to that, to that weakness, to that crying out, and he wants to come and purge our hearts. He wants to come and take that from our life so that we can continue to hunger for him it says in Romans 8 26 through 37 in the same way the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for for the saints according to the will of God it's the spirit in us we just begin to cry out to the spirit and ask him uh, whatever your will is for my life I can't do it on my own I can't achieve it but I want to please you Lord and I want these things out of my life God so I can live for you so that these dull this dullness this this dryness Lord it can be fueled with hunger and passion and it's the Holy Spirit that's attracted to that that comes and he removes that he searches our hearts it's the mind of the Spirit that searches our hearts and finds what the will of God is and helps us walk that out. 
We see that in 2 Peter chapter 2, the, the Apostle Peter says that Jesus, his divine power, he's giving his divine power to us for everything we need for life and godliness. He has given us his divine power for everything that we need for life and godliness. It is Jesus who empowers us. He empowers us. It's his power, his grace at work on the inside of us that it gives us the ability for everything that we need for life and for godliness. So we, can't cult, we cannot create hunger, but we can cultivate it. How can we do that? Just real quick. We begin by acknowledging our need of him. How do we cultivate this? As he has put that deposit by nature, a believer has hunger on the inside of them. But, it's, it, but oftentimes things in our life can cause us to be dull to that. We can be dry to him. He wants to come. He wants to remove those things out of our life. He wants to purge those things out of our life. But, at, but as we become a new creation, there's a hunger deep on the inside of us that we are born into naturally. How do we steward that? We acknowledge our need for him. We cry out to him. Again, it's his poor in spirit. It's the door into hunger. It's the door into desperation. We begin to cry out to him this week, today, at home, acknowledging that we need him. We meditate on his word. Psalm 1 tells us that, that, that he that meditates on the word will be like a tree planted by waters. We hunger for his word. We see as we meditate on his word, his word becomes a reality in our lives. We're like a tree planted by a river that has continual life source flowing into it. So we meditate on his word. We look to his word. Three, we allow our circumstances and our trials, allow that to be wood for the fire of God's presence. Allow our trials, allow our circumstances, allow rejection, allow hardship, embrace it like a good soldier. And rather than reject it and rather causing us to push away from God, allow that to be the fire necessary for his presence. And prayer, prayer is the fuel for hunger. That prayer that Jeremiah prayed last week or read last week, Our Father art in heaven, holy is your name, and your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a prayer of a hungry man. That's the prayer of a hungry people. Our Father who art in heaven, who is in heaven, holy is your name. You are holy, you are righteous, and you are pure. Woe is me, come and purge me, come and clean me. God, come and, and uproot the things that need to be uprooted, Lord, because I want your kingdom to come, and I want your will to be done through my life. That's the prayer of a hungry people. Prayer's the fuel for hunger. We know that the 120 the 120, they, after Jesus ascended, they went directly to the upper room and began to pray and began to cry out to God until the promise came, until they were endued with power. It was prayer, them, them coming together in unity and beginning to pray and seek the Lord. This was fuel for hunger. Again, this is cultivating it. It's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. We can't create this on our own. God puts the hunger. It's a gift from Him. But these are ways that we can cultivate this in our life. Can we stand? And Jess, you want to come up? The Lord wants to be just build on that hunger that we sensed last week. And I'm not saying that was just the first time. It's just the Lord really marked me last week personally here and really opened my ears up and my eyes to really just see I'm so, so encouraged see our body responding to saying God here I am I'm poor in spirit I need your presence I need you desperately other all all of who you are I want that in my life I want this in this church God I want this in my community 
And I want this in my sphere of influence and not just catchy words, but a reality. I want you, I want all of you, you could begin to hear that hunger and it was the cry of God, take everything out of me. Lord, remove everything in my heart, Lord, that is dulling this hunger and this ache. God, do whatever you got to do in my heart to keep me hungry for you, to keep me thirsty for your presence, God, because I want to become a lightning rod, a conduit for your presence, for, your, for all of who you are to strike me time and time again. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6 that you'll be a city set upon a hill, but he begins in Matthew 5, and it starts by saying you got to be poor in spirit, and then you got to hunger, but then you'll become a city set upon a hill, because when you're poor in spirit, then I'll make you hungry, and then you'll become a lightning rod for my presence and as I strike you with my light and my presence you'll be that city set upon a hill that's what Jesus wants to do in many of our hearts that's what he's doing in many of our hearts I'm encouraged this morning that the Lord has struck many hearts he's beginning to do a work in our hearts there's a sound of hunger being birthed in many of us we don't know how to explain it maybe we, we maybe, maybe some days we have it other days we don't I don't know where we're at but God is doing something with hungry hearts in this community and I want to con- encourage you if we'll continue to cry out he'll continue time and time again to come and to pour his spirit and his presence out in our lives but it begins with us saying God I need you desperately God, I am desperate for you. I'm hungry for you. i got to have all of you, Lord. I've tasted and I've seen that you're good. And nibbling at the world will no longer do because I want you and you alone, God. It's being like Moses saying, God, show me your glory. I've, I've seen a part of you, but I want all of you. You've marked me with something that I can never be the same. It's being like Joshua who would linger in the presence of the Lord because he had tasted of something and nothing else would ever do. And this is not a feeling. This is a reality that the mighty God of the universe has taken residence on the inside of us. He has rescued us and saved us. He's healed us. And he promises us to live to give more of himself into our lives. There's a promise. This is what I want to do today. I feel this strongly. There's many in here that God has begun to do hunger in your heart. He's begun to strike you with this hunger. And you're just crying out, Lord, I want more of you, God. i got to have more of you. Lord, let me be that conduit. I want you just to come. If you're hungry for more of him, you're crying out for more of him, or even if you don't feel him at all, and you're saying, God, I'm poor in spirit, and I want your presence, I want you to come right now. Come on, even if, if you're in here today and you can say, I don't relate to this at all. I'm so broken. I'm so dull. I can't feel him at all. I want you to come right now. Maybe you don't know the Lord. You've never known him. And so none of this will register to you. He wants to come today and give you a new heart and a new spirit and do a new work in you and bright, baptize hunger in you instantly as you confess him as Lord and King. If you don't know the Lord today, come on, he wants to bring you this morning. Maybe your heart's dull to Him. Maybe you're saying, I, I'm not hungry at all. I, 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 can't even, I can't even pray five minutes a day. That's good. That's what He wants to hear. Cry out to Him. He responds to that. Maybe there's something in our heart. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a dull ache because of there's, there, there's, there, we're not seeking for righteousness. But He wants to fill us with that today. Asking to begin to purge your heart. Cry out with deep repentance this morning. Come on, it was Isaiah who said, Woe is me as he saw the Lord. Come on, as I've seen the Lord, oh, the more that I need to be pure to have Him come and to cleanse my heart deep. Come on, there's a sound in some of you. There's a groan in some of you. Come on, don't be ashamed to let that out. Come on, that's the sound of hunger. Let it begin to rise in this place. Let it begin to build in this place. Come on, not not a feeling, but a true cry from the depths of your heart. Jesus, we cry out to you, Lord. God, we cry out to you, Lord. Respond to this place, God. Come, heart of the Father. God, we are heart of the Father. Jesus is your heart. We want to make Him glorified in this city, Lord. God, raise up disciples in this house, God, that can carry your heart, Father. God, release the Malachi 4 mandate in this house. Release the fathers to sons, sons to fathers. God, we cry out to you, Lord. We need you desperately. God, we say, help, I'm hungry. Help, I'm hungry. Help, Lord. 
Come on, cry out to Him. He responds to weakness. He's attracted to it. He's attracted to our brokenness. He's attracted to our desperation for who He is, for wanting Him. Come on, taste and see that He is good. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Oh, God, purify our hearts, Lord. Purify me, God. Cleanse me, Lord. Anything that's unpleasing to you, God, wash me with your blood. Coming uprooted, I just want to be a vessel for your glory and your honor. God, I want us just to focus on you, God, that you would be the glory and the honor of our heart. Come on, just refocus right now. Set him before you right now. Set the Lord before you. Jesus, God, we need you, Lord. We're hungry for you, God. Jesus, wash us, purify us, God. Cleanse us, Lord. Jess. Come on, cry this out. Place at the center of our heart. Jesus. Hungry, Lord. God, we're hungry. Come on, come on. We want you, Jesus. Release intercession, God. Birth it in us, God. Wait on Him. those that wait upon him come on begin to cry out cry out Some of, some of you are remembering. Some of you, Jesus. So, Jesus, Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father, we worship you, Jesus. Jesus. That's what I hear the Lord saying. Remember your first love. Remember first love. God, remind us of first love encounter. Remind us, Lord, of the days when you were our portion. That before things got in the way, Lord, we thank you today, God, for your mercy. We thank you today, God, for your grace. We thank you today for your power to come and uproot and change us, Lord, and to make us into your image. We cry this morning, make us like you, Jesus. Make us like you. Let there be a people in this house that are like you, Lord, that look like you and talk like you, God. An aroma, fragrance of your glory and your power. Here we are, God. We say, yes, use me. Do it in me, Lord. God, bring us back to first love. God, we ask you today, Lord, but I pray over every heart, over every individual this morning. God, I pray, Lord, where there's a, there's a flicker that you would blow on it, where there's a flame, you would increase it, Lord, where there's not one at all that you would come and you would hear the cry and you would begin one in hearts, Lord. Wherever we're at, God, I'm asking you that every heart that's crying out, every heart that's desperate, Lord, every heart, Lord, that's saying, I need your help, God, we thank you that you're responding right now. God, we say, do it again right here. Start with us right now, in this moment, Lord, start right here, in my heart, God, and let it spill out in to Lakeland, God. We say come and touch this city, but start with me, Lord.
Jesus. 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 I just want to dismiss if you need to go. Go ahead and let you go if you want to stay here and just continue to here at the altars. You can do that. If you need to go, we'll go ahead and dismiss.